McDonald's se está transformando en el mundo anime de McDonald's y te trae la nueva savory chili McDonald's sauce. Los mejores sabores se unen en esta legendaria salsa para que tus 10-piece chicken wackduggets, papitas y Sprite se conviertan en un meal ultra poderoso. Desbloquea un manga con tu meal y disfruta de un corto de anime cada semana. Solo en McDonald's. Badabababa, go! En McDonald's participantes por tiempo limitado hasta agotar existencias. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This is Tamarindo Podcast. I'm Brenda Gonzalez. And I'm Ana Sheila Victorino. This is the Latinx podcast where we discuss politics, pop culture, and how to balance it all con calma. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tamarindo Podcast listeners, it's Brenda, and we've got uh, Ana Sheila joining by phone today. Hi, everyone. And, uh, well, you know, we are here recording our kickoff of 2020 for the season of Tamarindo. And you have the best intentions, planning to get together, but a couple things kind of threw us off a little bit. One is poor Anna Sheila has the flu. How are you doing over there? Um, I'm pretty terrible. I've been in bed all day yesterday and today, and I was so committed to getting out to our studio and recording, but I literally can barely get out of bed. But we, me and Brenda were really committed to really launching this season today. And after some news today, we feel even more committed to, to getting, getting this episode out and sharing with all of you guys. That's right. That's right. We're actually recording on Sunday, January 26. And anyone who's anyone in LA, but of course, I think all over the world is reflecting right now on the tragic loss of Kobe Bryant, who died in a tragic helicopter accident, along with his daughter, and it looks like several other families. So what did that stir up in you, Anna Sheila, as a big basketball fan? You know, it's funny. A friend called me, who knows I'm a big basketball fan, and shared the news with me right after he heard it. And I actually, I was shook. I actually started crying. I've been down all day to, on top of already having, you know, having the flu and, you know, not feeling well. But I, it, it, I didn't expect to feel that much emotion. And I was trying to think through like why that was, because I wasn't, you know, I like you, I've spent a lot of time in Southern California. I've grown up a lot in, in Southern California, but um, I wasn't particularly a Lakers fan or, or even like a big Kobe fan. But I think um, the reason I, I was so emotional was one, just because, you know, growing up in Southern California, Kobe was, is who we grew up with, right? Like Kobe was represented LA and was LA and brought a collective joy to the people of LA for so many years. I think that that was one thing, just feeling that collective loss of someone that had such an impact on the city on, and Southern California. And I think just as a basketball fan, like I, I can't think of someone that was more hardworking or a bigger, or had more passion for the game of basketball. Uh, and also he had four daughters. 
Right. And yeah. yeah. And so, you know, we think back to like what happened in 2003, right? His sexual assault case. And, and you think about that, but you think about he had four daughters and in, ever since then, like what I've seen from the outside looking in is how involved of a, of a father he was. And then especially since his retirement, like how he's used its platform to highlight female athletes and, and female basketball players in a way that I'm not seeing any other male athletes do, mm-hmm. you know, and he had a young daughter, his young daughter who was 13. And, you know, a lot of people were talking about her carrying on his legacy. And it's just so tragic to hear that she also passed as well. And I think the last thing that maybe a lot of us are feeling, and, and I'm wondering how you feel about this, Brenda, is this is just that, you know, it just reminds us of how fragile life is. And and it's something that I intimately had to feel very recently. So I think that that hearing of Kobe's tragic and sudden passing kind of brought a lot of that up again for me. That's right. That's right. So for, for our listeners... You all know that we we took a break and um, it turned into a bit of a longer break. And that's because, um, as you were starting to say, Anna Shayla, you you recently experienced firsthand the sudden loss of a loved one. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your your recent experience and, of course, part of the reason why we took a bit bit of a longer break. Yeah, my dad actually suddenly passed in late October... Uh, from a massive heart attack. So it was completely unexpected. And I think that it's one of those, it's one of the reasons that made it so hard to to process. You know, he was one of my, he was one of my favorite people on this earth. Like I was the happiest when I was with him and my mom and my brother. He always found a way to make, make any situation fun. Like he never let us dwell on anything. Like if something didn't go right, you know, if we were on a family adventure and something didn't go right, he always found a way to remind us that like there was no reason to dwell on what just had, what had just happened and that we would find a way to have fun. He, he, he taught me to be generous, take care of my family. He, he, he loved to love nature and, and animals and love my culture and the world. And he taught me how to be aventada and, you know, just make the most out of every moment. And a lot of those things I'm still working on, but I feel like my dad gave me that, that blueprint. And I, and I just feel grateful that, that, you know, I, I, like, I feel like I still have him in me. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. I know that's something very personal. And um, I, I really want to thank you for for thinking about the topic of grief for this episode and being so generous of opening up your heart and your experience to our listeners, because I know that all of us are going to experience loss or, or have experienced loss and especially as we get a little bit older, as we think about our parents and how that's going to be just something that is part of the circle of life that, that, that very often, many times, we, we will have to experience the loss of a loved one. So um, as in, in thinking about our listeners and others that have, have um, experienced something like this, like a sudden loss, you know, what are some of the, the things that were helpful to you during this period or continue to be helpful to you as you grief this loss? Well, the first thing I think was just practicing gratitude. I didn't have a, I had, I don't have a lot of experience with loss or or rather my experience with loss is recent. Like my first real deep loss was my grandmother two years ago. And I think that after that happened, like that's when, like my mom had always taught me to like be very thankful for, for what I have. But I think that my grandmother's passing was, was a reminder to me like, Oh, like this is so hard, but I'm so grateful that I still have my parents, you know, and, and that kind of wake up call, 
helped me really be present and like thoughtful about the time that I spent with my parents. And so like, I tried to make sure that I spent more time with them that I, that, you know, grew my relationship with my mom and my dad. And so because of, of that initial loss, like I think that I was practicing gratitude more and being more present with my, with my parents. And so that, that really helped me like take advantage of the time that I, that I had with my, with my dad so that when he passed, like I didn't really have as many regrets, you know, cause I, I, I'm so grateful that we got to take him to, to Spain somewhere he had wanted to go for 20 years or that we took a, a beautiful trip to Mexico right before he passed. And so I just have so many, I had so many beautiful memories, recent memories too, that, and that those have been, those have been really helpful in working through the grief is that I have so much gratitude and joy from those memories. So I think that that's, that's one thing. That's beautiful. Um, yeah. I think another thing, and I'm, and I'm curious you know, how, how you've experienced this as well, Brenda, in, in your own healing through loss. But I think just like really embracing, embracing the, the healing process, you know, your body, I feel like your body soul really tells, it really tells you what you need. And so I, when my dad passed, I actually was fortunate to be able to move in with my mom and my aunt and my cousin for, for a few months. And I'm actually just in the process of moving back to LA next month. But I think that, that being able to, to be and live with my, with my mom for a few months was so critical for both of us and, and, and our healing. So like that, that was something that was really huge for me. And I think also letting go of shame around like, crying. And I realized I still had a little bit of, of, of shame around crying. You know, like I felt like, oh, I can't, I shouldn't be crying so often or I shouldn't be, you know, spending this much time grieving and at first I felt like I had, I couldn't cry so much because I had, we had so much to do, but I realized that by not allowing myself to cry so freely, I was building up all this tension that was actually like putting a lot of stress on, on my body. Mm-hmm. So just, just being like comfortable with like letting go of any shame that you have around crying and just, you know, crying is healing. So just remembering that. And I think the last thing on kind of embracing the healing process is like finding a way that, that like how being intentional about how you heal. So, for me and my family, the way that we thought to do, to honor my dad was was to actually go to Wimilpan, which is a town in Querétaro, Mexico. And we that he he actually spent a lot of time there growing up, and he really loved that town. And so we actually scattered his ashes. We planted a tree in Wimilpan, and we scattered his ashes in in the soil so that he could live through this tree in this place that he really loved. And then we went to Mexico City, where he's from, and where me and my brother were born, and. And it was just such a healing trip for the three of us. Like we actually, I felt like it was the three of us and my dad's spirit with us. Oh, that's great. That's great. And I know, you know, obviously we've connected since then. I think you also shared with me a really nice anecdote of um, you and your brother in pushing yourselves out of your comfort zone and communicating to each other in Spanish, uh, which I thought was really sweet. And tell us a little bit more about that, because I think that that was really a nice um, experience that you recounted for me yeah actually yeah so just speaking in spanish generally in mexico was very healing for us but i never i didn't expect it to be so healing and so me and my brother pushed ourselves to actually only speak in spanish to each other and what i realized that came out of that is that we actually we spoke to each other in a way that we like never had before it's like we were accessing this part of us this this on a different plane or something but it's it's like we opened ourselves up to a different we just our relationship just felt deeper in Spanish somehow. And, and one, one of the things I noticed is like, you know, I've never really, there's no place that I really consider home because I've lived in a lot of places, but 
in speaking Spanish, I, I felt home. So that was a really beautiful discovery for me on this trip because, you know, feeling like your home is, is you know, home is healing. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, that, I'm glad that that was a healing experience for you all. And, and I know we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I do. I did notice you mentioned this, that you, you might go visit your new niece, right? Like your family is also experiencing a new baby, a new child. So that's, that must be very yeah. exciting. Yeah, literally, I'm supposed to fly out Tuesday night on a red eye to meet my new niece. My brother just, just had a baby. So that's really, really exciting. Nice. I'm ex- I'm Hopefully, really if excited. I'm well enough, cross your fingers for me. I know, I know. I'm very excited for you. I, of course, I don't want you to pass her, your cooties to the new baby, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I hope that you heal for that. And I, I'm really glad that you're, you're sharing about this. And of course, I've also experienced loss and I'm the experience of losing grandparents. I'll talk a little bit about that, too. Even though my grandparents, um, of course, like you were kind of saying, like the loss of your grandma was a moment to start thinking about appreciating moments more passionately or more or more consciously, I should say. And of course, I lost my grandparents. But it's so funny how much I miss my grandparents, even though like, of course, I they, they raised me from zero to four. You know, my parents were there, of course, but my mom would drop me off every day at my grandparents' house. And so I find myself really missing them. And it and it kind of makes me think about how important those formative years are. And maybe that's why I miss them so much because they were so essential during that, the, that infancy, you know, the very, very early years of my life. So I often think about my grandparents, but then of course, um, as I might've shared a few times on, on the podcast is that when I was 11, my older brother passed away also sort of suddenly he did have a terminal illness, but the way he passed was during a routine procedure that folk that people with muscular dystrophy, which is what he had, typically have and still continue to live for several years. But he actually died during the operation. So for me, being eleven and not my parents did not explain to me that my brother's illness was terminal. For me, it was definitely a very sudden loss. My parents, I think it was definitely sudden for them as well. Although their entire life they've embracing they were bracing themselves for that moment um but it came earlier than we anybody expected and of course have, i'm sure it's impacted me my entire life having experienced that loss but what i have found lately is that because i'm now the age that my parents were when they lost their child it just seems that much more tragic to me of course it was tragic always but i just be i feel a lot more connected to the loss that my parents have experienced because i just i i I try to put myself in their place to think like i can i think about myself i could i imagine having already had a 17 year old son and having him pass it's just incredible but um so those are some of the things that that thinking about mourning and death bring up for me right and so i think a lot of times we have a hard time knowing how to talk to people about death, right? <laughs> and I'm wondering, like, what, what are some things, you know, what did, I know, and I know you, you were 11, but, I, but, but you were older when you lost your, your grandparents. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. My, my grandmother died when I was, like, 21. I think my grandpa when I was 23, 23. So, yeah, I was def- definitely a little bit older. And I think it's so I'm wondering like yeah I'm just I'm wondering like what you know what you what did you appreciate hearing from people because I think sometimes people don't know how to reach out when a friend or loved one suffers a loss and so I, 
I'm wondering how, what you, what was helpful for you or what you appreciated hearing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's still always like, it's still such an, no one, no one really knows how to navigate those things, right? It's still very awkward, even if you've experienced loss or, or, you know, so you care about someone that is, has experienced loss. It always is one of those very difficult things to navigate, but it is very hard to know what to say, what to, how to comfort someone and people take pain uh, in very different ways. So I know that for me, thinking about the loss of my brother, this is not exactly what you asked, but it just means this is what's coming up for me. You know, you talked about earlier about how you were at first trying to not cry and, and, you know, quote unquote, stay strong. And then, mm-hmm. and that, and I think it's, it's very telling of Anashela, right? This is what you tell us all to kind of listen to our body that you, you tuned into your body and allowed yourself that freedom to, to grieve and cry. Um, and I think that's great. I think you're modeling exactly the sort of practices that you want others to follow. So I think that's, that's really, I, I commend you for listening to your body and allowing yourself to grieve in that way. When I was, when my brother died, I had a very distinct dream of him literally the next night. It, like, it was very vivid of him telling me, stay strong. You have to stay strong. And I and I cried, of course, extremely when I first learned of of his death. But I did find it very difficult to cry ever since after that dream, right? Because it, it felt very real and very vivid that I stay strong. And and that continues to stay with me that it's very and I'm actually tearing up right now, which is so incredible because I'm telling you how much I, it's hard for me to cry. And it is. It's yeah. it's and it's just that 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 notion to stay strong, stay strong and, and him coming, literally coming in and telling me like, that is what happened. Yeah. So um, the things that are interesting is when people ask me now, Oh, do you remember him? And it's, of course I do. I think, I think many times we, we, we tend to dismiss children and dismiss their feelings because, Oh, well, you're a kid. Oh, well, you were young. But um, when I was 11, that was my entire world. <laughs> like my, like your experiences yeah. are your entire world. And so I do find I, I, the answer to your question is what was helpful. I guess I'm answering what was not helpful. It's not helpful to ask me, don't you remember? Do you, do you even remember that? Like, that's not helpful because I, because I, of course I do remember. Um, and so there's a lot of things that I, that I do remember, even though I was young. And so those are some of the things that I, that I find helpful. I have found that like, I think sometimes I, because it, it was so long ago and people, this this is when this comes up. People ask me, oh, do you have brothers and sisters? Because it's such a open-ended question that people ask when they get to know someone. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI, FPEI 220099. 
And many, right. sometimes I would be like, no, it's just me. And that way I don't have to, you know, then I don't have to bring it up. Right. But I find myself more and more just being comfortable with like, it's just me now. I had a brother who passed away, you know, and just going through that exercise. And then they say, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's, it's just like this, 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 it's a formula and that's just what happens. But it's better than saying, I have found now that it's just better than, than acting as if he didn't exist. So those are some right. of the things. What about you? I mean, I, of course, for you, this this loss is much more fresh. What what have you found helpful when, when folks ask you or are there for you? The first thing I like I was thinking is that when you know I know it it feels awkward and weird, and I wish I could tell people like I know that this probably feels awkward and weird. But what I would want people to do is just speak from the heart and do speak like whatever your heart tells you to do. Like that's what you should reach out and tell me. You know because. Because I, I did really, like, I appreciated every single message and like, I appreciate it. And I think maybe some people like, they don't want to invite you to things because maybe at first they don't know if you want to do fun things yet. And I still like appreciated people that did invite me to things like early. Like I still appreciated getting invitations, even if I wasn't ready, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I appreciated, and, and you know, we all grieve differently, but, and that's why I'm saying like, you should just do what comes from the heart. And if that person isn't ready for that, then they're just not ready for that, you know? But like, I, appreciated when people would acknowledge what happened, but then could also talk to me about other things, you know, because I didn't want to be thinking about it every single moment. Like I, I wanted to, to, it was important for me to still find moments for joy. Like even as I was, it was grieving, like that's like, that's the best was the best way for me to grieve is to make sure that I was finding like ways to have joy, even like right after he passed, you know? Yeah. And the, the, the one thing that was difficult for me to answer you know, cause a lot of people were, were reaching out and, and, and I, and I, cause I, I shared on, you know, Facebook, like where the, the memorial was happening. And so a lot of people reached out because of that. And I think what was hard for me to answer was when people would ask me, like, send me a text, like, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know? And I, and I didn't have, I didn't have like so much energy to respond to that question to so many people, you know, because it's like, that's such a hard question to answer when you're going through that, like, I can, I can only share that with like a few people and really tell you like really how I'm doing, you know, yeah. because it's a complex answer. It's not an easy answer. And so it was a lot of times I couldn't answer that question to, for too, for too many people. Cause I didn't have the emotional energy. So like, I, I, I think that I appreciated more kind of direct, more specific questions. Like what if, like, what have you been doing or, or, or just like, what do I, what do I need? Those kinds of questions, mm. you know? And, and I really, I really appreciate, oh, for like Brenda, you sent me, you know, a fruit basket and, and that was actually really helpful. And someone else sent me food. And like, that was actually really helpful because especially in the first days, like, it's just like, oh man, like we have to feed ourselves too, you know? Yeah. And so, so things like that, that were, were really helpful that's, for me. That's, um, I'm glad you're calling that out because now it's like, a, this is a new era, right? Where like people text each other and there's Facebook and there's like, you know, these massive ways that you communicate information quicker. And that's, I think that's helpful to hear because our, the instinct might be to text, how you doing? I'm checking in. But what you're revealing to many, to me, and I'm sure to many other people listening is the labor that that produces for you, for someone that is grieving um, and that they, we might have great intentions, but that those very open-ended questions might be more, more than a person can really handle at that time. So, yeah. And I still appreciate them. I just might not be able to answer that question, you know? Yeah. Again, 
I'm so grateful that you're you're sharing this. And I want to kind of go back to, you mentioned finding those ways to find joy. And I think that I was very happy to witness you put this event together. I mean, I you really did put this event together that we did earlier this year, very early this year, because obviously we're still in January. So just a few weeks ago. Um, it just felt like a really long month, hasn't it? <laughs> it, uh, it has felt like a forever month. So earlier this year in yeah. 2020, you did put together a wonderful event to encourage all of us to reflect on better ways to to prepare for 2020. So um, if it's okay with you, do you want to tell folks, um, I know some of some of our listeners were there and got to see you in this joy in person. But uh, for those that weren't there, I would love to hear your reflections on that event, what it was, some of the things that you prepared and how you felt afterwards. Yeah. We, and, and, and let's not, let's not, you know, Brenda, you were a very big part of this event as well. Okay. So I was logistic. Let's, let's not. <laughs> so we, we, you and I <laughs> held uh, an intention. We called it 2020. What do we call it? Intention setting. Fatualma. Yes. And, and the reason we wanted to do this event is because I felt, or we felt that usually at the beginning of the year, at the end of the year, especially this, at the end of 2019, there were a lot of people, you know, thinking about what have I accomplished in this last decade, right? And putting a lot of pressure on themselves to reflect on how much they've accomplished and, 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 off, and, and, and how much they probably wish they'd accomplished. And a lot of times because our, our minds tend to skew more negative, we tend to think we didn't do enough. And then, you know, New Year comes around and, you know, we're going to set all these resolutions. We're going to crush it. And a lot of times we set ourselves up for failure because we set these arbitrary resolutions and goals that we can't really meet. And yeah. so what we wanted to do with this event is a, a more gentle way of thinking about your year that doesn't set you up for failure. That's not definitive or resolute. And that's what intentions are. So an intention is a guiding principle for how you want to be, live, and show up in this world for yourself and for others. And so different from a resolution, like I want to lose, you know, 15 pounds, intention would be I want to focus on health and I want to take care of my body. So it's very open-ended and allows you to be really open in terms of what that looks like and not putting a bunch of pressure on yourself. So you're much more gentle, but it's important to still keep, be mindful of like this intention that you want to step into. And, and so that's what we, we organize this event that where we, we walk through some questions to think about to help you actually define your intentions for the year. And so that's what the event was. And it's funny because I've shared this with at the event, but in 2019, my intention was to own my own voice and step into visibility. And I didn't have a clear way of that, what that was going to look like. And that actually turned out one of the ways that that manifested was actually joining Brenda as a co-host of Tamarindo. I never had that goal of, you know, be on a podcast, but that's what it ended up looking like. And, you know, and I'm so grateful for that. And I am so grateful for that as well. I think um, it's been a fabulous 2019. It's going to be a fabulous 2020 with Tamarindo, with Ana Sheila and Brenda. And I'm just so grateful to you. So that's great. That's great that you uh, did you end up coming up with your intentions for 2020? Or are you still working on it? You know, it's funny because we held this event, right? And I was trying to think and I actually didn't fill mine out, but I started to a little bit. And one of them was actually to embrace healing. You know, I think that that's very timely for me at the moment. And that's something I've really been doing. And, and one of those ways is, is, like we said, intentionally seeking things that bring me joy as a way to heal. And, 
you know, our events at the beginning of the year was part of that. I'm taking a storytelling class. I signed up for private dance classes to learn bachata and salsa and cumbia. So, so just really embracing healing through intentionally seeking out joy. So that's one of mine. And then the other one is, is just to, so far, is just to step out of my comfort zone a little bit more. I felt like I did that in 2019, but I would like to do that a little bit more. So just opening myself up to getting out of my comfort zone. I love it. I love it. How about you, Brenda? I mean, just like you, I was, I was also struggling to do it there because we were doing this event. We were um, entertaining 30 people, 30 plus people. We were sold out. And also my brain was mostly on making sure the event went well. And I loved how engaged everybody was, writing their intentions. But I think I wrote something around welcoming financial freedom. So financial freedom and also something about um, just humor and comedy because I, I uh, and maybe what that'll look like is one day I'll do some stand-up comedy. <laughs> but I didn't, yes. say, I didn't say I will have a stand-up comedy night because that's there you go. the wrong way to do it, right? You got to have like... Exactly. I will bring in humor. Um, well, that's great. And, and in our show notes for this episode, we're going to put a link to the fabulous uh, worksheet that Anna Shayla created so that you can practice this yourself, listener, so that you can do that. Yeah, we, Brenda, we really got to get ourselves out to some other, um, other cities. Yes. Or other listeners out so we can do events out there with you guys. Yes. I think New York might, might be a good spot. There's a, lot, there's a lot of listeners out in New York, actually. Yes, New, Nueva York, llámame. <laughs> this is again like a, it's our first episode we wanted to kick off the year a little bit different than we had planned uh, but we got Ana Shayla on the phone fighting the flu but we did want to do very quickly we won't go into it that deeply but just like a very quick collective basura and um, yes. yes so we'll just because you know we, this is what we do here at Tamarindos we throw things in la basura so if you are following the internet you, you might have heard that there's this woman, Janine Cummings is her name, who, long story short, got a tons, of, tons of money, I think it was like seven figures, to write a book, and she's only like, her grandma's Puerto Rican, but everything else, she's Irish, she's white, she's a white woman. She wrote a book where the characters are fleeing Mexico because the cartel is going to get them, they're, you know, crossing the border, and f- I'm not going to read the book because... It's all very hella problematic, but from all the people that I do know, that I respect, that are writers, that are critics, that have read the book, from all the specifically Mexican-American and Chicano readers that have read the book, it's not even that good. And it's being praised by the mainstream media, by Oprah, by all the, you know, the media machine as John Steinbeck or like something, the grapes of wrath of our time. Bunch of fluff. Anyways, everyone's pissed off. And I will also share that Gina Rodriguez, who loves to step in shit. <laughs> she, she really does. She really, she really does. does. <laughs> um, you know, has this, as this is all happening in the Twitterverse, has this picture of herself with the book, like, I can't wait to read it, or who knows. Uh, so exhausting. So that's my mini rant. Anything you want to add about that, Anishela? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, like, it's just so frustrating because, we keep other people keep getting to tell our stories, right? And doing it in a way that's not authentic, right? Picture, painting this picture of Mexico and Mexicans as very one-dimensional, right? And they keep getting to tell our narrative and make a lot of money out of it, right? Yeah. So they're making a lot of money out of telling inauthentic 
one dimensional stories about us. And it's like, that's, what's really frustrating to me. Like, when is it finally going to be time for us to really, well, I mean, we're, it's, it's becoming more of our time, but it, it, it's just like the fact that this happened, is just, man, it, it really, you know, the onus is on us to really change this landscape because the publishing industry continues to be mostly white. And this is why this is happening. Right. Yeah. And it's just, and it's just so frustrating. And, and I read a quote that she said about something about how like she really wanted to humanize Mexican immigrants. Like they, they're human or something like that. And, and something about that quote, like really bothered me. Cause it's like, it's like, I don't need this like white person to humanize me. Right. Like yes. I can humanize myself. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm a human, yeah. I'm a Mexican immigrant and I'm a human. You know? <laughs> yeah, so ridiculous. So everybody, please, for the love of God, do not go read the go buy the book so that you can quote unquote form your own opinion. Please, yeah. just yeah. go go support specifically a Chicano or Chicana author, Mexican American author, um, and do it that way. Okay, let's all not support this book. Um, and I think that's yeah. our collective basura. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a, a matraca? I think just a matraca to you because I think you're great and I hope you're I hope you this is a healing matraca I'm, I'm sharing with you a healing matraca and I thank you so much I'm feeling honestly I feel legitimately a little bit better right now that's no great. joke that's from being awesome. on this call I appreciate <laughs> being it on this, yeah you do um, sound thank like you it. so much um my matraca just staying on the 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 topic it goes out to Beatriz Acevedo Yvette Rodriguez and Eric Garcetti, who actually launched this, uh, it's called LA Collab, that aims to connect Latinx talent executives and creators with opportunities throughout the entertainment industry. And the goal is to double Latinx representation in Hollywood by 2030. Love it. So, you know, just really kind of trying to combat what we're seeing in, in, in media. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that news. And for those of you that don't know, Beatriz Acevedo was the founder of me too. And Yvette Rodriguez is the president of AEM. I love it. I mean, that sounds great. Um, I hope that they're listening and that they call us. <laughs> right? <laughs> Come on the show. Come on the show. Hey, and you know what? It's not a bad idea. Well, um, I hope listeners that you missed us and that you, you um, appreciate having us in your ears. And if you also want to share the ways that you've come across grief and the words that you have found healing, please do reach out to us. And we want to also hear from you. We are kicking off this season, but we want your feedback. There's still plenty of time for you to help us shape what this season's going to look like. So reach yes. out to us. Yeah, actually, and I wanted to just say one last thing about sadness and, and grief, if that's okay, Brenda. Yes, yes. I feel that sadness is grief. Sadness and grief is one of the most immediate ways in which we feel compassion, empathy, and closeness to one another. And I think like I shared earlier, it reminds us to stay in gratitude, not only for the person that has passed, because that helps us, you know, keep going by remembering all the, all the things we're grateful for, but also staying gratitude for the loved ones that we still have in our life. And so just wanted to, you know, remind us that, and, you know, I'm grateful for you, Brenda. I'm grateful for Tamarindo and grateful for our listeners and just wanted to share that. Yeah, definitely. Grateful for everyone. Yes, a moment in time that we're all experiencing to be reminded that nothing is promised and to really cherish each moment together. Yes. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. 
Tamarindo Podcast is independently produced by Brenda Gonzalez and Ana Sheila Victorino with sound engineering by Jeff DeVoe. If you were a fan of the show, we hope you will rate and review Tamarindo on Apple Podcasts or share Tamarindo Podcast with a friend. We'd love to hear from you. Follow us on the gram at Tamarindo Podcast or on Twitter at Tamarindo Cast and find us at tamarindopodcast.com. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI, FPEI, 220099 It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.